RDI Insights. Mike Dempsey in conversation with Royal Designers. Hello and welcome to the RDI Insights podcast series, where I will be interviewing major figures in the design industry who have been made RSA Royal Designers for Industry, the highest accolade for a designer in the UK. The award was introduced in 1936 to highlight and honour the work of industrial designers for their sustained creative excellence and benefit to society. There can be few designers who can boast that work they created over half a century ago is still in everyday use. And by that I mean every moment of every day. My guest today can justly make that claim. Margaret Calvert, along with her late business partner Jock Kinnear, created the signage strategy for the British Transport National Road Network and it is as effective today as when it was introduced back in the 1960s. The disarmingly simple, clear design programme went on to inspire road networks around the world. For Margaret Calvert, work has to have a purpose, a function, and it must function well. As a regular user of our motorways, I can confirm that it works extremely well. Our conversation took place at Margaret's North London home and studio, where I started by asking her about her early life in South Africa. Childhood. I can already tell listening to your voice you know those little telltale South African yes. vowel sounds which are still very evident considering you mm. came here when you were 15 so I, I, I knew you were born in Durban in South Africa and you were schooled in Pretoria set the scene of what it was like yes. as a young girl yes. in South Africa I was born in a, a little place called Malvern just outside Durban I don't know whether I was born in the house or in the nursing home, or I just don't. There's certain facts about my life that I actually don't know because I wasn't curious enough to ask my mother. I'm very sorry about that. So I'm now sort of doing a lot of research into her life and my father's so that I can put it all together Mm -hmm. because they, they both came from this country originally, of course. And I think when my mother was a young woman, she... Well, she actually went to Middlesex, it was Hornsey then, to do art. And then she thought this this wasn't for her, really. And um, so she went and did nursing. But by then, she'd met my father in South Africa. Women of that age kept going over to South Africa for a good time on boats and that. So I have got family that went over to South Africa. A rumour has it, or not rumour, that one grandparent took the first printing press or something. I've got to check that out, you see. I keep keep getting these little bits of information, but I've not put them together. Anyway, so she married my father, whose family came from... Dorset, and because I remember my grandmother, her wonderful accent, quite extraordinary. The sad bit is it, that was in the, I was born in 1936, as you know, and of course the war started in yes. 39. So I had an idyllic childhood up to the age of five mm-hmm. and great memories of my father playing with him and all of that. What did he do? Well, I've got photographs of him in his army, in his uniform, because I think he was training, being an accountant, who was very good at 
algebra and mathematics and all of that. He joined up, he joined the, the Royal South Africa and um, he was just about to get his commission to go up north. And very sadly, he, with his best friend on, a, on Saturday, asked permission to go to the cinema they went to the cinema, they had an accident, and he got killed. So that completely changed everything. And so my mother had to obviously earn money. So she went and did some private nursing, because she was a, a theatre sister by then. And we were put, my sister, who's three years older than me, she, we were put in, a, in a, a home, a horrible home, for a year. And then let the house, my sister stayed there with two school mistresses. And then she took me up to a, a job that she got in a place called Kilnerton, just outside Pretoria, in, in the felt. Quite wild, but it was a Methodist educational establishment for girls. Well, they're also, also very young, young, young children as well. And it was an amazing place. We stayed in this big hostel. It was for, I always call them Africans. I don't, I, I, I'm not comfortable with the terms black and white for people. Sure. And these these people like Nelson Mandela, and that mm-hmm. was a teacher training college of sorts, an educational establishment with both black and white teachers. Mm-hmm. And these students would come from all over Africa, a lot from Rhodesia, which it was, was then, and Mozambique and Tanganyika or something was called Namibia. I think I'll get, I'm mm-hmm. going to get that wrong, so mm-hmm. we'll cut that out. Mm-hmm. And so, and my mother ran the hostel, the girls' hostel, and then the other end of the plantation was the boys' hostel, and there were about five, and there was a church on the top of a copy, so we all had to go to church, march up the hill and that, and all that, all that was all right. I didn't bother about the religious bit. Mm. But it was just, I was completely free while my mother ran the place. The students adored her, and run by the Methodists, and so, you know, there were black and white teachers... And we were just like five on Treasure Island, Enid Blyton-type children messing about on our bikes. And I can remember one, one, one time that, that just learning to ride a bicycle. My sister got a new one. I got a second-hand one that was always breaking down. And I was just, I, could, I couldn't get on and I couldn't get off. So I was helped to get on. But trying to get off was very difficult. So I was going not quite down a hill shouting, stop me, stop me, really, really loud. And several girls came rushing over, my friends, Mm -hmm. and they grabbed this bicycle to stop me. Now, that's a very brave thing to do. But after that, I was teased to death because whenever they saw me, they'd shout, stop me, stop me. (laughs) So that's a good memory. But the bad thing is, and I have to say this, I went back with Jock on our way to Australia to design the signs for their new two new airports in Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. And the people I stayed with, Jock went down to the Cape to do some business, drove me round Kilnerton, as it was called, and it was no lo- it had completely been wiped out and mm. declared a white zone only. And they were all full of <laughs> sorry, it's getting a bit heavy. No. All full of little bungalows, horrible yes. little bungalows. So I just didn't feel I belonged in the same no. way. Yeah. So that so, was, and then sometimes we went it's on. not good to go back. But I'm, I'm back there in my mind. Sure. My mother, she then got a job in, in, in Pretoria Girls High, which was both a boarding school and a day school. Mm-hmm. And she was the housemistress of one of the colleges there. And she was 
the house mistress, mistress in North Lodge. I was a boarder in with my sister in South Lodge. I was there for about a year, year and a half, two years. And then by then, the nationalist government got in. Segregation was even worse, apartheid. And she said, it's time to come back to England to her family. So oh, that's she made that decision. Yes. My sister had finished her education. I was in the middle of mine. And the thing about education there is at that particular school that you would have to you were taught you had to speak Afrikaans every they changed the language so if you'd been taught in geography it was all done in Afrikaans one year then the next year if it was history it changed to Afrikaans and the next year it would change to math and that was appalling because I just was not very good at that language at all but I had some very good Afrikaans Afrikaans friends. is sort of Dutch it's, it's, derivatives that's right yes very sort of low Dutch yeah. Yeah, yeah and so there was a bit of segregation between the Dutch and the well, the Afrikaans people and the white people. So your mother packed up so and she you, packed with up. your sister you came back Yes, here. and with one stray dog, came back on the Athlone Castle, arrived in Southampton. There were all my relatives from farming to meet us. It was early January, January and, I, and it, it had just been snowing and I thought, I fell in love with the country well, immediately. You did, really? absolutely I was going to ask you because it's, it was only four years after the war. Um, well, that's right. Obviously, if yes. you'd arrived in London, it would have probably been a different matter because it would have been pretty depressing. Well, although Southampton, I, was, I think, got probably. Well, you see, the thing the thing is, it wasn't depressing. I don't know why it just wasn't. London was wet and grey, and these enormous um, bomb sites. Mm. And of course, we were told the history of it. And of course, a lot of my um, relatives, some were killed in both the first and the second, and some weren't. But you kept he- hearing these stories, and they always had. They were always somehow positive about how they coped with food. Yes, yes, and, yes. of course, there were rations then. Yes, now, right. to have a ration book, fantastic. Yes. Because, you know, to go to the little village shop in Ascot, Witchford near Ascot, with two T's in Warwickshire, was wonderful because the little bell would go. You'd go in and there were all these sweets. And we never had them in South Africa to the same extent. They were all under the counter because, you know, because of the war. Right. So I just ate sweets galore. I mean, oh you had goodness. masses on your rations. And, of course, my teeth, that affected my teeth. And my uncle was a dentist and he thought it was absolutely disgraceful. Yes. So he blamed my mother anyway. <laughs> so you were 15 when you came here? I right? was 14. 14. Yes, I had, yes. So I'm sure I was 14, yeah. So you're off to school still here. I, that, oh, right. So that's another, another I, thing. I, I had to go to school. Yes. Now, I, I just switched off everything. I never had a thought about, I wasn't asked any, about anything. I just left it to whatever happened. I was just pleased to be away from the South Africa. And the, yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, art, we had always, I had a wonderful art master at my primary school in Hatfield. All we did was art and hear stories. He was Scottish, a bit mad as well. And then a wonderful art mistress at Toria Girls High. So it was always art. And so, were you? Would you? Would you say you were more pulled towards the arts and academic subjects, or were you oh, an all-rounder? No, no, no. I was so, you, so you were a natural creative, if you like. Well, drawing, drawing. I love drawing were. because he 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 just encouraged not us. It was me to, yes. um, to draw. So yes. I just drew all the time. Anything. He said, draw anything. Egg cup. 
So I was quite alone in that respect because, you know... So uh, how did that work when you came over to the UK? Right, did, it worked. Did you find another teacher that was... Uh, I did, and but I was not... I didn't go to school for a year while they found a school for me. And then I had to have... I went for an entrance. It was St Paul's Girls' School in Brook Green. Yes. And I felt like a real fish out of water because my accent was very, very strong. Strong, yes. Then. And, yes. and they spoke in this sort of... Yes, RP. Know, that's probably. right, yes. And so I found it very difficult to adapt. So it was just sport, but luckily again... Well, I passed the entrance exam the second time. I failed the first. Winnie Passmore, Victor Passmore's sister. She was the art mistress at St Paul's. Oh. So um, I did art, a lot of that, both at, well, at A-level as well. So I stayed on an extra year, and I did it in one year. Mm-hmm. And then what to do, and she mentioned Chelsea. Otherwise, I knew nothing about art schools or college. I had no idea. I was very completely ignorant of everything in that respect. Sure. And so I went along and had a wonderful interview by Brian Robb, who was head of illustration mm-hmm. at Chelsea, absolutely wonderful and relaxed. My mother came to the interview as well, and so I was accepted, and that's where it all started. And that was started. a four-year course, was it? It was, not? Which yes. is quite a long time, isn't it? A different it, sort of setup then, it, I should it, think. I thought it was a wonderful setup, really, compared... Well, I have to be careful here, yeah. actually, <laughs> because I didn't know how it all, would all end up. I didn't know what career I would choose. No. But you had two years fine art intermediate course... So that was a lot of life drawing by these wonderful artists and people like Leonard Rosmond and Fred Brill. And I can remember just being in this room, complete silence, but all you heard were the comments from from the the tutor. Very, very strong comments, quite upsetting sometimes, I would have thought. Mm. And you just hung on to every word. And they would do wonderful little drawings in the corner of your half-imperial sheet Mm -hmm. to explain a little fact or something. And it was really about learning to look and think and coordinate everything. So I loved all of that. I just... No, I think a little mm. later on, uh, mm. Jock Kinnear yes. was a visiting tutor. Because um, I chose, you could either do fine art, which was sculpture and painting, or you could do printmaking and illustration. There was no graphic design. So I chose, for the two second years, your final two years, so I chose illustration and printmaking. Yeah. And very wisely, Brian Robb, together with, with the, the marvellous principal at that time, invited a designer, a proper designer, graphic designer, to come in to give illustration students a sort of awareness of what graphic design was. And Hunschlager was actually there when I moved into that particular year. I mean, we were a very small group. There were only about a dozen of us at the most. And Hans was wonderful. The only problem was I didn't understand a word he was saying. Very intellectual approach. And quite, although he was very much the artist, designer, all-rounder, he seemed to be focused towards advertising in terms of how he he explained things. And there were a few students there that really were very focused in wanting to go in that direction, and the others were, were lined up for going to the Royal College of Art. So I was never going to 
go that in either of those directions. So anyway, then Hunt's left, and then his assistant came, and that was no good. And then they got Jock in. Now, Jock had been an associate with Design Research mm. Unit, as you, you mm. know all of that, because mm. this is your time as well. No, not quite. Not you're, quite. You're but, younger than me. But maybe the listeners don't know, so uh, it would... So he uh, he wanted to start having, having done his... what. You know, I mean, I think we should explain that at this period, yeah, which right, was in the fifties, okay. yeah. yes, graphic like design was, was really a new innovation. It was called commercial art. That's absolutely right. And, it and was, so there yes. were a few groups yes. that were obviously, you know, inspired by the modernists and what was going along in Switzerland yes. and Germany. And and graphic yes, design would be taken that was, seriously. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. And I think well, you you know all of this, of course. I mean, Dick Guyatt, who was professor at the Royal College of Art, I mean. He's credited with, well, at least coming up with the term graphic, graphic design, design instead of publicity design That's and right. all of that. Yes. But, and then others will say it came from New York or somewhere. So one doesn't know. It, I mean, it probably something that happened. I think there's a lot of... Yes. There's, you know, one can look at it from both sides of the coin. I think you, there's you a can, lot, yes. lot, lot of excitement going on at uh, the oh, time. Oh, amazing excitement. And the 50s yeah, was don't a, get written about enough. It was an amazing time. You went on, I just want to push on a bit, you yes, went on sorry, to, yeah. to Central. In a way I did, because when I started with Jock, right, yeah. I mean, there's a big story about how, how I did start with Jock, actually, because he just offered me a job when I was what the hell do I do? I can't. I can't go to. Usually, he did a teacher training course on top of your. So that would have been five years. And no way could I teach and stand in front of secondary modern children. So he offered me this job because he he just got this. Been asked by the architects York Rosenberg and Mardell who were designing the new Gatwick Airport. They needed the signs and all of that yes. to be done. So because he was one of their neighbours, and so he was asked if he'd like to do it and he said we'd never signed an airport before but of course you say yes and so that was his first big job um, after um, setting up in Old Barrack Yard having left design research unit and then he then he got he needed some help so he asked me and then suddenly it was all off because I, either it wasn't going to happen or he got cold feet or whatever and you know my aspirations just plummeted mm. and then he used to do exhibitions at Wembley for the milk marketing board. They were mm. beautiful exhibitions because mm. he wanted to be an architect more than a graphic designer. And coming back from Chelsea, because it was just sort of winding up, I bumped into him on Ealing Broadway Station and, and it was all on again. <laughs> and so anyway, so I started almost the next day. And so you were involved and, with the yeah. creation of the, the typography, the type itself? Well, yeah, OK, let me just finish how that... Yeah. Because the very important part... Yeah. He said, well, you need to brush up your typography. That was his words. Well, I hadn't got any typography to brush up. Hadn't been taught properly at Chelsea. I mean, there was just, I mean, Jock would set us a, oh, something to do with Battersea Funfair or something, to do a leaflet or whatever. And I took everything very seriously and I started coming in early, you know. Mm -hmm. So he just thought I was somebody that was taking things seriously, which I was. So I did go to the Central in that respect, but they were evening classes oh. run by Colin Forbes yes. of Fletcher Forbes. And George yes. Dorby of BDMW, yes, who yes, you know, was teaching then. And he was absolutely, he opened my eyes completely. Well, Central at that time was a real hothouse. It was, wasn't it? And yes. so many people that went from Central eventually on to the Royal College, were very disappointed what they found at the Royal College. 
you know. I can believe it, Because yes. it was like going back into Victorian. Uh, absolutely. And, um, well, you know all those wonderful illust- illustrators. You brushed up on your typography. I did. And I then, talked to it like so, I loved it. So how long it. did you stay there for? Oh, well, I suppose the evening classes probably just lasted a couple of terms. Right. No more. You don't, you don't no. need... As you don't need teaching. Somebody has to just show you something. Yeah. You, you, you're looking over your shoulder what other students are doing. I used to think, and it was a lot of drawing type, small, yes. eight point. So I, I used to think, oh, that's typography. That's an interesting point you make because mm-hmm. just, so I did just that. briefly going back to the Royal College, because so many of the people there were disappointed with what mm-hmm. they found, they would That was to, during Alan Fletcher's time. That's right. And, and, and Raymond and, Hawkey. And, yeah, abso- um, absolutely. And, and Len Dayton and, and, and the that whole... wonderful woman at DRU whose name I can't remember. They were inspired by one another, which is the point you That's were making. Right, Rather than the yes. tutors who were just going on with the same old, let's use Egyptian, yes, yes. whatever. Um, yes, yes, okay. yes, that's right, Egyptian whatever. Back, that's back, a good term. Back to Describe this. the graphics. So you're, okay, so you, you then go back and you feel more, more equipped typographically. And, um, ah, yes. But, I, of course, I, ne- I was never a student there. No, no, no. I yeah. mean, mm. back to Jock. Oh, oh yes. And then, at, you absolutely. You felt a lot more confident, yes. oh, presumably. completely. Yes. I mean, again, just working on Gatwick, yes. it was just like this. Two of us across a table. Yeah. And I did all the humble things, if you could call them humble, like making coffee. But not always, because if I was busier than Jock, he would make the coffee. Good. And but backwards and forwards across the park, Hyde Park, yeah. to photographers called Frank Slinger, and we got these enormous stats of full-sized signs. And Jock was working on on a new letter form yes. when I joined him, yeah. and it was at that stage that I just had my opinion about certain things, and we shared discussions and arguments, and the letter form changed slightly. Mm-hmm. But what we ended up with was actually fairly crude put it bluntly really so, so we were always having a second chance yeah but how and I, I know this i know this will probably answer one of your questions that are coming but it's it's a, it's a series of coincidences that things happen and as a result of gatwick colin anders comes he was actually the provost of at the royal college Hall, but i didn't know that until a lot later but he was the chairman of the pno orient line and he because of gatwick he asked jock to design this this labeling system for all the pno orient line ocean liners <laughs> with a set of adhesive labels yeah. jock did the the main set which were swing labels we worked on them together but the togetherness was really me talking about color and doing the artwork right. but um they were jock's concept and jock's design and jock's job and so that's where i learned you know all the skills of how to sort of do laborious uh, artwork i did do the adhesive labels you, you did. see yes. and that was at a time when if you had an idea that because there were just the two of us that you thought you thought about something, and then you say, "Oh!" And then I was—I would just quickly draw a little visual of something to do with the idea, which related to his, his tie-on labels. And he would just say, "Fantastic, great." Sometimes he didn't, mm. because, but he would the next morning. Yes. Often he was right. So it was—it was that kind of relationship. But the best idea won. Oh, well, Winning that's... is not the right word. So, and the colours and all of that were comp- to complement the more primary ones of mm. jocks. So that's 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 when I that was 
not quite my first job that I can claim as my own, but perhaps about the third. Then, after the Gatwick job, I think that led on to the much bigger... Yes, because of... That's right. Because of Gatwick, the labels... Sir Colin... Well, the road sign story, as as everybody knows, a committee was set up to look at motorway signs. The Anderson. The Anderson Committee, yes. That's Colin Anderson Committee. He was the chairman, and he remembered Jock from the Orient Line labels and Gatwick. And so Jock was invited to be the consultant. And so... so Hugh Casson was on this, well, the initial the initial party to re- recommend. I don't think he was on the committee. So anyway, all that started to roll. And we then increased our numbers because we needed it. That was a period of five years the road signs took. Yes, I, and, I mean, uh, did it, it, the dates seem to be, because I know that it's an anniversary year, but it doesn't seem to quite fit because well, it, it seemed to yeah. start in 1957. Well, it, the actual... 1958, more like, actually, but and it, continued it took a long time well to sort of get going with the committee and the and, yeah. and, uh, and and the testing with the road research mm. laboratory and committee meetings mm. and all of that and then of course once the motorways were done yeah. a wonderful civil servant Usborne it was his suggestion that if these are working so well on the motorways why don't we look at adapting them to the all-purpose road? Mm. So a second committee was set up, the War Boys Committee, and Jock just we just continued with that. Did you just were you working on other things once that got rolling a few, a few other things dedicated but mainly, to that mainly it was that i just yes. wondered whether it was almost you got bored ever i never ever got, got bored. bored never got bored no. now the, the, there is a job that mm. I, I hope that you <laughs> were responsible for yeah otherwise I was otherwise i should burn this on book. the road sign yeah, well not okay. the, this is not the road sign i mean yeah, i think right. the road sign the road signs have yeah. been so well documented well they have maybe yeah. incorrectly here and there yes. that it's detracted from some other things yeah, that, that I personally great. love absolutely so for You're example right there. yeah especially now yeah. I love the, the Rudman and Burkett yeah. fishmongers <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing that mm. way, way back mm. in the 60s when mm. I was first in design. Mm. And I, the reason I love it so much is that it is so... For that period, it must have been like something that arrived from outer space because there's yes. a photograph in this book of people passing by the front of a shop. Uh-huh. Yes. And they look as if they're from the 1920s. There's a guy with right. a cloth yes. cap. And there's a funny old pram, you yeah. know, the sort that the... <laughs> royal family still mm. seem to use one of those mm. big prams with mm. the huge wheels mm. and then behind is this very starkly simple mm. very graphic lowercase lettering mm. shop front with the lettering shifted to one mm. side to give it a little bit of tension and it's a really mm. lovely and i know that it didn't last long it was um, a family business L. Burkett and Company, and it had these shops in, I think it was Putney, uh, yeah, and one marvellous one in Knightsbridge, right opposite Harrods, Mm -hmm. a beautiful site. And he asked us to do it because he was so impressed by the motorway signs. And so when that job came in, and Burkett was just a small family company with these two shops, Mm. so it, it lasted until the family died. But anyway, so to do the vans, to have this wonderful client come in with so much enthusiasm, knowing he just wanted something different that Mm. represented the spirit of what was happening on the motorways... And then, of course, if you if you did anything with a van, you couldn't use. You should avoid white because yeah. white gets dirty. Yeah. Now, the whole point about white with a fishmonger is that they have to keep it clean. So there weren't any white vans in 
London at that time. And then, it, again, to have something big and clear that you could see from the distance or in traffic. And, of course, so to me, the fish was the obvious answer. Mm. Partly because, again, we ate fish on Fridays. Fridays. So yes. it's, a, it's not exactly a Christian symbol, yeah. but there, there is a connection there, mm. I think. So to actually do that fish yes. and the contribution of Jock was actually to, to make it more human's not the right word but to actually almost have a mouth form yes, at the I end. Saw that it's and I think that helps a lot yeah. and the freeness of the actual brush stroke that was done big the, the, the real difficulty was to get it done well mm. because they weren't sort of there to take things that seriously so were they, were they painted on the tracks or were they some sort of transfer can't remember. They, I mean, I've only seen photographs. They look very, yes. they look very yes. good. Yes, the, the vans were beautifully mm, done. Very good. And them. I think whoever did them took immense pride yeah. in doing them. Yeah. So, uh, so and t- then were t- also the bags and the signs. Yes, yeah, that's that. right. And the price list. And the which pr- was yes, very which again, I hadn't, I hadn't. I, very simple, but but I wasn't a graphic designer really. I mean, I've sort of kind of taught myself to do that, but. Because it's sort of logical, but it's not. It's not. Hasn't got a modern feel about. Well, it has sort of. Anyway, well, the bags are good. The bags are excellent. Yeah. So there were the, just the site between the two shops. One was a purpley yeah. lettering, and the other one was sort of dark green. Sort of an olive, well, a light Deep olive. Deep olive, yeah. Yeah. So when you became a partner All right. around yeah. about this sort of time? That was 1966. Yeah. And I think at that time we did have other senior designers there because we took them on to help with all the road signs. The pressure there was immense. And at one, at so how many people would you say were um, working there at oh, the time? I think about half a dozen. So I just said, to, you know, I was doing so much of the design, I just said to Jock, it's time I was acknowledged. Oh, so you took the initiative? I think I did, actually. <laughs> but Jock, bless him, just went with it. And, of course, I redesigned all the stationery and all of that to get that set up. Well, that's how... That started. One other thing, you you were at Chelsea where you did mostly illustration, and I noticed I got a I got a drawing scholarship there, right. which helped. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I can only find again. It's very difficult looking through various books, but <laughs> one example of uh, your illustration, which is for the Golden Warrior, which oh, is the opera yes, yes. cover for yes, Shots, the yes. music publishers. That's right. Yes, and it's only in black and white. Yes. Um, and I have an imagination for what sort of mm. colours it I might think have been in. That, that's no. all in black and white, though, isn't it? I'm There's no so. colour. Yeah, yes. no colour at all. The colour is, is the best part of it. Yes, I've, I was okay. interested. Did you do a lot of illustration? Oh, was that a rarity? I, you know, I, I did notice well, that... It's, isn't it funny? I don't call that illustration. Well, it was an illustration. I, I mean, it was a very graphic form Very graphic, yes. And it reminded me a little yes. bit, I guess, of... Um, do you remember there was an artist at the time called Gaynor Chapman? that yes, used I to do yes, posters yes, for yes. the underground. Very yeah. blocky, slightly textural yeah. graphic finish. Mm. It had that, much simpler, but it had mm. that sort of feel. And I that I noticed a cover that you'd done for, I think, Ryman, and it had just two blocks of colour and a, an irregular oval. Oh, right, you remember all and that. And it, um, <laughs> it reminded me of sort of William Scott, who was very, right. you know, yeah. an artist, 20th century British artist. I think was very, I was just trying out things yes, for myself. Yes. To just, just, just... I, well, that... I'm, intuition, it's I, the feel of breaking I, away. I yeah. mean, I was never interested in book illustration. No. N- although I did, I had to do, do a bit of that at Chelsea, and I enjoyed it. Mm. But um, I've, al- I've always just thought books should be read anyway. I very much saw those drawings, just the few that I'd seen, 
it's much more sort of graphic interpretations, mm. of, which which I, I found interesting, yeah. um, rather than traditional, yes. you know, drawing yes. with all that that entails. I mean, the, the, the illustrators right up to now, I mean, they are when they're good, they are just so oh, genius, yeah. you know. Yeah. You've got to be totally focused on that. Well, and I, my interest was getting broadened in yeah. terms of identities and of course. doing things big. Of course, you've spent a lot of your life teaching. Yes. I mean, a huge part yes. of your life. Probably longer than you were actually working mm. with Jock. I mean, you, you were head of graphics from 1987 to 91. That's right. But yeah. you, you've been a lecturer part-time with the Royal College from 1966 to 2001. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long... It's a long time. Well, I can easily divide my life up into chapters, and the RCA is a very big chapter. Huge chapter. Do you want to know how I got into teaching at the college or not? Was it something you were aiming for, or did Never. it just accidentally no, come about? Something no, that suggested it, you... I think working with Jock on these big projects and that... Just, just the two of us. I was, I was quite lonely. Not mm. lonely in a in a mm. heavy sense, mm. but it was it was becoming too narrow. Sure. I needed something more, mm-hmm. and Jock was aware of this because at that time he was head of graphic design at the Royal College of Art when Dick Guyke was the professor, and they didn't quite agree on certain things. And Brian Robb was running illustration then, mm. and Misha Black mm. of DRU was the professor of industrial design, as mm-hmm. they called it. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Black wanted the industrial design students to have some sort of idea about what typography was because it related to what you put on a washing machine or a fridge or something. So he, took, he asked Jock, mm-hmm. because they knew, knew each other, because Jock got quite a bit of work from DRU when, when, when he started up, and he had enormous affection and, and respect for Michelle Black. <laughs> um, and, he, and so Jock's thought thinking about me so he came he suggested me so and he came back and I thought oh god no I couldn't possibly teach at the you know the RCA despite not not wanting to go there because of its Victoriana and all of that I still thought it was you know some place and so you know something comes up like that you're offered a chance and you've got to take it so I took it and it was only for like an hour an afternoon once a week and these um, industrial design students, they took some of them on straight from school then, from the sixth form. But of course, they don't do that now. And Jock Kinnear's son, Ross Kinnear, was a, a student at that time. So anyway, I'd go in and I set this project to design the lettering for parking meters. And they were very, very clever boys. And, you know, always with a student, I would just start talking and finding out what they were interested in. And they'd always show me these extraordinarily complex drawings, trying to, you know, phase me out a bit. But I set them this project, and I have to say, they took it very seriously. More so than graphic... Well, graphic designers wouldn't bother with a job like that anyway. So I enjoyed it. Mm. And we'd have these little group crits and things, and a few guilds and that. But they were always there. And so that's how I got into teaching. And then Dick Guyatt said, oh, can't you do the same with the illustrators? Well, I didn't have the time to do any more than an hour a week. So I closed, I shut it down with the industrial designers. I then went to the illustrators and people like Dan Fern were students then. Mm -hmm. And 
I set them a completely different project, of course, but they were, they were brilliant. They really were. did better typography than the designers. And then Dick said, why don't you do a day teaching on a more formal basis with the graphic designers? So that's what I did. And I did that for a very long time. But you see, one day a week is you're concentrating on your professional work as well. But when you're with the students, you have to put them first. So I got very, very committed to to that, but I've never thought of myself as a teacher, particularly in typography, because I had to teach myself that. So, but I was then, Herbert Spencer took over, and Herbert, you know, was a great friend and brilliant typographer and all of that. So, I mean, and then he offered me another day when Jock retired from, we were called Kinnear Calvert then, I think, because mm. we sort of go up and down, everything mm. goes up and down and mm. ends. Sure. That was enough. So I was just doing two days then and working with monotype on my typeface, which they decided to call Calvert, which was started as a face for a new town in France, St. Quentin Aunt Eveline, and they thought it was too English, so I used it for the Metro and the Tyne and Weir. That's right. And then is... Monotype said, oh, how about turning it into a typeface? Now, at that time, it was it was metal, and to actually just do a, type, a metal typeface, whew, that was like climbing the Alps, mm. fantastic. But everything then changed, and it was so on flux. So when you were... It, it didn't, it became a... When you were putting that typeface a digital together, typeface, Calvert, yeah. was it hand-drawn? Oh, absolutely! It's all yes. by you. Yes. You see, a lot of um, a lot of that original. Got the, yes, I know. I've got the drawings of that. But the ones for um, the road signs, all those. Once you put something on film, you chuck the cardboard stuff away. And the maquettes. Sorry to go back to the road signs, but the maquettes were. Jock said, "Oh, you know, we're moving now. If anybody wants." anything go it's up in the attic this is an old barrack yard just off knightsbridge go help yourself so they found these maquettes and they're now in bride library oh really so that's right. that's the story of them okay but any original artwork and that's in the tip at hammersmith you the the relationship with the royal college does it still continue now mm. or is it sort of just occasionally you might evolve with something oh i was invited by sarah bont to set a project this was pr- be about three years ago something right. to something I set up for students to do called design without labels with the idea that they could be they'd work on them f- just for a week not get sort of bogged down by a two-year project or whatever and it was the idea was that you would approach it not as a graphic design or typographer but you would I would pose the project and they would come up with the answers but the answers could be from any discipline it was really just to get rid of the the borders and to open their minds and have good discussions so yeah. that really was well and the first I won't talk about the ones I did anyway Sarah invited me back because she was running it then but she's now left because I retired in 2001 mm. and and then having retired it's, it's like I've started a new life in terms of design it's just like that working with ex-students mm. so well i know that for yeah, example with, you you know your transport media has been re- redrawn that's right which yes. has been used for the gov uh, for gov.uk dot UK, yes. for the website that's and right, it's yes. pulled together all the government departments yes that must have pleased you but to see it, it absolutely of, but you see that's it, you see i can't do these interviews because it's my whole life trying to sure and it just takes too long to explain well, got, anything but I'll, I'll have a go at that but it's almost as if it had to happen mm, it's like i've I gone mean, full, know, full circle well i think because we into we, a digital we, we age now live in a digital age yeah. people are and also as you as i'm sure when you were young you young designers what do you mean did, when i was sorry it's just a joke <laughs> 
I'm going to have some more water. We're still young in the head. Oh, yeah. What I was about to say was that being now in a digital age with a whole range of young designers who are discovering things mm. for the first time, and I can understand the passion and excitement of young designers mm. working with you, digitizing your, your own typefaces mm. for a digital age, mm. and maybe with you mm. working together, making those little tweaks that mm. maybe you were not able to do at the time or that you can now see that would be improved by. Th that's great. And I um, think you know, what's yeah. the beauty of that, that typeface is it's, it's longevity. Yeah. Great typefaces will well, last you see, it, it a was long time anyway. It was functional. It's the functionality it really was, and it the legibility. About, it wasn't, sty it wasn't yeah. about style. And the thing I keep saying to, to everybody is that that face, uh, that, well, let's call it lettering because it wasn't a face. It, mm. wasn't, it wasn't a typeface. It was specifically designed to be read as a light letter form on a dark background yeah. and a dark letter form on a light background. Yes. Now, that is a different way of drawing as opposed to... Well, actually, it's quite similar as opposed to a, a digital typeface. Mm. So I actually redrew transport, not all of it, from that very crude sign up there mm -hmm. just to see if I could get it back in my head. And, and I tried to improve certain things and making certain curves minor adjustments but basically drawing it by hand and it's almost identical so it's stamped it's in my um what's what's the word called that your um dna oh thank you well <laughs> um, in my dna working with henrik yeah he is amazing in terms of well i mean he's so passionate about mm designing typefaces mm. i won't we won't go on the whole story about how that we came together because it's, it's just another story but it was from two threads that came together and then the ben terrett one in terms of of the the, the face for um, gov.uk that's a nice story i think because of how it happened and ben terrett's school children went to the same school as Amelia Noble, one of my students at the Royal College of Art from the, company, the design group called Kerr Noble. As a result, she, um, Ben said, do you know anybody that um, could sort of help us with the typography? And so she mentioned me because she remembered me from the teaching. So Ben turned up here just like this, had coffee, and he, uh, he, he told me all about what they were doing at gov.uk because he just, it was all a big idea, big change, big this, big that, new this, all of that. So fascinating. And then he invited me to go to their place opposite Hoban, and amazing place. And there were about a hundred of these people in this enormous studio working on the wall and that and everything. I just to talk, to be introduced to them and talk to the team about this and that. I'll show them that, this, all of that. And then I got some printouts of what they were doing. And again, to cut a long story short, they were using Gil, Georgia. They were all web fonts. Gil, Georgia. And I think another face as well. Well, obviously, that's too many faces. Lots of colours, lots of coding, photographs, this and that. You can imagine it. I, I but much better than any website, mm. other government websites. Mm. And they were sort of trying to design programmes that, People could phone, uh, email in and say, yeah, you know... testing them. Testing. So mm. it was really a very innovative way of designing because mm. they immediately would get a response and they'd do something about it. Mm. So anyway, I just sort of looked at these faces and I said, well, we, 
I'm working on a digital version of Transport with Henry Cabell of A2. And I may have suggested, and then before I finished, he said, well, we thought of Transport, but it's not a web font. So I just let that, I didn't want to, I never mm. liked to push anything mm. anyway. But they had thought of it. It was enough that they thought of it. So any, perhaps a few months passed or something, nothing. Then he came back again and showed me what they were doing. The message hadn't dropped. And I said, look, you've got to start with the the questions, the writing. But anyway, and I gave him a typography lesson right from scratch. I said, scrap it all, start from the beginning and reduce it a minimalist um, number of parts. And certainly with typeface, you only want one typeface. You don't want... I said, it's got to be clear. Nobody wants to be... You're not selling anything. You want to find out what a new licence costs or your mm. income tax or something. Mm. You want it immediately. Mm. So mm. all of that was completely taken on board. And they actually, the person, the woman who did all that writing won a D&AD black know, pencil. Yes. Um, yeah. didn't, didn't win anything for the design, but it did win a design museum award. Then, I think I was on holiday then, I saw an email keeping in contact, and then they wanted to do, do it in transport. By then we'd moved on, Henrik and I, in terms of, of, of designing it in several ways, as a typeface and as a web font, mm. which is a, a technique much more yeah. further on down yeah. the line. So it was all there. And mm. then Henrik did a special version for gov.uk in two ways. So that's how that happened. Well, that's very good. And it seems highly appropriate when you consider yes. that the motorway signs were part of a bigger yes. government initiative. So it's, it's, well, come, it's nat- sort of come yes. back home. To- it's come back full circle. So that was satisfying. Over the years, there, there have not really been still a very male-dominated scene, the world of, mm. of design. Mm. By so that, I'm I mean, t- so I'm told. Sadly, it is. I mean, it, it's, there's a high volume of women, always ha- has been, mm. but they, you know, and I've worked, you know, for 30 years. I, during yes. that time, I employed, you know, lots of women. Humor, but sadly, they always drifted away got married, had kids, and never got back on the mm. merry-go-round. Mm. You know, some do. Well, Illust- illustrators can do it. And I think yeah. the digital age has made it a little better. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about your... Because you've been in uh, the world of graphic design for such a long time. <laughs> Did you ever have issues in that world? I mean... <laughs> I, I think I'll pass on that one. Well, it's... Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking... I think the thing... The, well, look... It was Frith Kerr was asked that question at the AGI Congress at the Barbican in 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. And her answer was, I would rather talk about my work than my gender. I thought that's so good. Yes, I, I, it's not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting for one moment that it's not about gender, but I do feel that it's still difficult yes, for okay. women. I do feel that it's difficult and yes. I just wondered whether you had well, a view on it. I do, well, I do. I do have very strong views mm. on it in, that, in a way, except whenever I am asked to do a book on graphic design that's all to do with women, I will never go down mm. that path. Mm. Never, ever. Mm. You are who you are, where you are, because of your work. Mm. Gender must not come into it at all. Mm. And, of course, I've hit the glass ceiling several times, but that's, that's how it goes. Mm. And uh, I've been so lucky in terms of the people I've worked with. Jock Kinnear, for one. I mean, my champions have all been men and some women students from the college who know me 
for my work and also for our friendship that have always continued mm. after the college. So, you see, I see these brilliant women who, I mean, I, I can talk about Frith from Kernoval because they get married and, that, of course, it, it's natural, it happens, and they have children. Now, it's a lot easier now for them because some of them are earning more than their husbands mm. and they pay, you know, they have to juggle with schooling. Um, well, you know, you've been there mm. anyway. And they get carers and they get this and they get that and that's where the money goes. But they don't give up on their work because they are committed to it they're passionate about it mm. and so you do need that commitment that carry you, you have good times and bad times and thin times and all of that and I've always had from, from you know had to sort of think quite hard I think if, if, if I think at the Royal College of Art I would have been in my late 40s when there was a big change in terms of who ran the department and Gert Dunbar came in then as the professor but I got caught caught's not the right word but everyone was being almost being fired at that time to get new staff and I had a phone call from the rector Jocelyn Stevens expecting to be you know your time is up because I'd been there a long time and and that, that's fair enough but he just said oh Margaret would you be prepared to run the department with Gert who would have been a part-time professor for a term before Liz McQuiston is free from Leicester to, to come and do the job because Goethe had appointed her. So I rang up Brown, Brian Tattersfield and I said, what should I do, Brian? He said, take it, do it. So I thought, oh, God, no, you know, that I'll be really into teaching then. And, but I did take it and it was a fantastic time with some amazing students, mm-hmm. wonderful jobs, mm-hmm. mad, crazy with Goethe and that mm-hmm. and the rector, mm-hmm. everyone being sacked, fired, bullied, this, but... The work was really good. I wanted to ask you... And the rest is history. Yes. So I don't have to answer any more questions. I will say one thing, but it can be off the record. I would have made a rubbish mother because because I would have fretted and worried my whole life with what being drawn into them and making it right for them. So in terms of the students, I like it to come right for them. So that gives me, that's my reward. I have to go back here because my mother, she she was really popular with the students at um, Pretoria High School. They called her Mrs. Cal because she would give them everything and she'd give us very little because she'd say their mothers weren't there so she can't give us the affection that they don't get, something like that. So oh, we I were, see. so so there's something hitting, there's something yeah. there, right back that I, I that explains why I'm who I am. I'm interested. <laughs> this this is okay. I'll get to this question. Simple question. I shan't sleep who, tonight. Who do you, who do you design for? I love answering answering that question. Myself, actually, but I want the person i'm designing it for to be absolutely delighted with what i'm doing mm. and that's my reward if they are well, that's interesting because you know what i was going to say is that it seems to me this is not about you i i i concur with what you're saying and i i think that your work when i look at it and when i read about it and hear things you've said your work has to have a purpose Oh, yes. It's that, got to absolutely, have a purpose. Absolutely. Uh, and it's got to yes. function well. Yes. That yes. seems to me to be paramount. Yes. It seems to me a lot, of, a lot of designers these days are designing for other designers, primarily. How do you mean? Well, they, they are not oh, so what? interested in doing what you've just said, mm. hoping that the client will 
like it and mm. that's an added mm. benefit. Designers are designing for other designers, if mm. you like, to say, aren't I great? I've just done this. There's a lot of this... It's a, it's a, like a little Could world be, yes. of oh, designers yes. showing off to one another. Yeah. And I don't see any... I see a lot see, of decorative yes. work, is what I'm saying. Oh, a, right. A lot of, I've never been of that. No, I no, mean, yeah. I think your work has a functionality. Abs- yes, it's, um, it's got to have an idea. I don't mean in the, in the you know, current yeah. easy sense of it yeah. as ideas against decoration. Yeah, yeah. It's, got to, it's got to be answering a specific question. And, you know, if, 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 if something, always if client, I've always got bored with the word client, but it's, the, and it's not a trick, but in order to answer it in your way, you almost have to rephrase it. So, in other words, you reshape the brief, mm. because the brief could be all up the cr- yeah. wrong. So once you've shaped that in a more interesting approach in terms of a question, it opens the door for so many possibilities mm. in terms of answers. Mm. So it lets you in. Yeah. Well, briefs are a starting point, aren't they? Always. Uh, I mean, well, yes. You know, Somebody wants something and they're going to give you some money for it. They say, this is yeah. what we think the problem yes. is. What do yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, um, you see, I've stopped all of that kind of work now. Yeah. I, I'm working on... Well, I do get invited to... Well, my talk, actually. To actually get my talk across, I split it up into... I called it work and play. And very simply, work is what you get paid for. Play is what you get invited to do. I mean, you get invited mm. to do similar mm. things mm. to me, and, and mm. they're quite fun, mm. so you do them. Mm. But no one's paying you. Mm. But also, nobody can say, you, you can't, can't do, do that. that. So m- I jolly well do it. Or make the type bigger. Um, well, I've, I've got lots of those <laughs> stories. No, absolutely. I, I'm making the type bigger... I, um, well, that's the <laughs> one one job for the National Trust that I did with students after they graduated, and it was it, they were promotional posters for the National Trust, and there was what this one advertising guy who came in, and of course the first thing I like to say, everyone likes to have something to criticise, so it was the, it was the size of the type. The students were fuming, and I was fuming too, but I had to keep quiet, so I just said quite quietly, "Well, we'll look at it again." So we went away. <laughs> We, we, we made it smaller and we came back and he said, great. So that's, that. that's it. That's, good. that's how you win. Well, tell me, <laughs> what, what is exciting you at the moment? I mean, is there, is there oh. something you'd love to get your teeth into? What, what, what? Well, right. Because well, there's always that, you know, I'd love to... No, no? because what I'm doing is what I, I'm doing. Uh, I don't know. I, no. Well, what are you doing anyway? What are you doing at the moment that's exciting you right. that you're... You see, the thing about type design, it's almost become fashion. Everybody's doing it. it it's, it's, it's the now thing to do. Students are doing typefaces. And you can almost see the new ones creeping in on channel, on BBC and that. With the little, we'll drop that, we'll do that, with that, that. And sort of it looks different. So it's, it's almost fashion. And they're always digitally conceived because that's the nature of technology. And I come from a hand drawing. That's my basis of getting in, is to sort of slow things down. So one of the faces that I showed in terms of play and my own work, I, which also came from a, a real job, which was a cookbook, artist cookbook, um, published by the magazine Baseline. Mm. So I did a, a, a spaghetti cross one, right? Okay. So I started playing with pasta, like you do with fiddlesticks. And I was thinking that 
The wonderful thing about adding different weights, instead of going for, you know, the five or the six weights, you, all you have to do, one, I mean, the alphabet is structurally very simple. A child can draw it in, in a minute, the skeleton of it, but it's actually how you flesh it out with ideas and interpretations. So with the pasta, I mean, I've, I had a wonderful week. It's, I'm halfway there with it here. So it's one I showed right at the end because the starting point is not drawing, it's physical. You get, I've spent ages sorting out packets of spaghetti because they're not all the right length. And then you can break them in modular parts and then it becomes three-dimensional. And then to actually make the weight of each letter, you just add another stick of pasta, don't you? So, you know, an A's can be... So it's another way of playing. Mm. And so what I've got into now that is wonderful is I've eventually bought an iPhone 6, not the, the big model. And the camera... Now I've got used to how wonderful. to keep it steady. It's wonderful. Really? I've also got a little Canon camera that I do... I will never use a um, tripod. It's too long to set up. I just have to capture my thinking either on a drawing scribble or what um, and then I photograph various stages that's my way of working so of course on this table I was doing very quickly a whole sequence of alphabets weights this then Henrik comes along because we meet up quite a lot and because he helped me put together my presentation with DNAD then he brings his computer along and we from the from the messing about with the pasta straight on screen and then we can reverse it white out of black and then that can become a digital typeface. But you've come in on it from a new starting point. Mm. And so I, I then said, um, I mean, you get carried away a bit when you're doing a talk. I said, I'm really looking forward to doing the um, italic because you can't do an italic with straight bits. Because I said, you'd have to cook it then and then you, you sting it at the wall and then you can just nudge it into shape. Well, you see, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? And I well, actually, I, I like the, the connection between pasta, spaghetti, and the word italic. The it's word? It, italic. Oh, right, it, yes. You've got okay, that yes. Italian-esque I called it alpha. I called it alpha pasta. Alpha pasta. From, I called it anti-pasta to begin with, because in, in the book it's against eating pasta because it makes you fat. Hmm. So that was why I did the, the cross against... Well, you, you might not have read the text, but... Um, oh, I think I did. Anyway, so... so I, I, but alpha pasta, I thought, sounds nice, but also... So, you see, one plays with one plays. Yeah. This is my play, but it has to start with an idea. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm working on. And the other one is where I'm going next. Oh, good. This Tell is with... That. Also, it's connected with road signs. Everything comes round to road signs. But um, I was asked... In 2008, by Humphrey Ocean, who was curating a room at the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition. And he, he thought my drawing of the Roadworks Man, he liked that. It was a different kind of drawing, and he used to go and give lectures on drawing. So he asked me if I would like to do something, painting what anything for this room. So he came and spoke, and, and so I, did, I took a road sign, and I painted it out, and I did me. As a, a pictogram of me sort of thing so I called it a self-portrait so anyway, as a result of that that's now being sold as a cliché print but now doing um, a full-sized screen print of it so it's 34 inches across the base and that's what I'm working on now so I'm just, that's where I'm going 
Oh, well, that's... And I'm working on one that you've been working on too. <laughs> but we perhaps better not talk forward this celebrating 50 years of the British road sign. And that's what I'm actually working on at the moment. And a, a series of personal postcards, which is another project that um, screen printed. Mm. So, I mean, there are several ideas jiggling. Well, Always are several in my head. You sound very busy. But I have, to, I have to not get too excited because I'll just pass out. It's well, we're, we're coming to the end now. Um, Good. <laughs> over the years as a, uh, yeah, as a teacher, even though you don't like to think of yourself mm. as a teacher, but yes. you, you've obviously... You've given, I would assume, a lot of advice to a lot of young designers over the years. Well, it's a two-way process. Yeah. Well, you know that, because so yeah, you've read that I just want thingy to, that Adrian Sean has I always seen. like to end by asking whether you've got just one little gem of advice you would leave with us for a budding young Margaret Calvert out <laughs> there somewhere who thinks, wow, I'd love to be a graphic designer right. and become as famous as Margaret Calvert. What, what sort of well, advice well, would I, you give I, them? Never think of being famous. Never think of that as a goal. It it has it has to have an enjoyment factor. You've got to you've got to like enjoy what you're doing. You've got to enjoy the challenge. There's a there's got to be a commitment there. It's not all fun, happiness, jolly, jolly. This it's 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 just not. But the the interesting thing is it is a people thing, and the, we forget that whatever the product is, for want of a better word. Whether it, it and it, it with me and with road sign, it, it it asks for a visit to the factory and to actually talk to people making something and what they're getting out, what they're doing. You know, it's it's fascinating. Mm. But I can't give one word of advice. Okay. Well, look, um, Margaret. I mean, I'll students be... at the college, if you ask them that question, yeah, they'd answered it very quickly. Rich and famous. Yeah. That's well, all. That's sad. Well, look, um, I sort of will be seeing you on my journey back home to Dorset tomorrow, mostly via the M3 and the yeah, M27. Don't say me, and you'll see there's so much, there's so much trouble with the roads. There's so much rubbish. You see, Jock and I, past 65, because if, if, you, if you actually put the 50, because of this, this, this year being the celebrating 50 years of the British road signs, it actually does work if you work it back, because it, it works from when it became law. Oh, okay. An act of Parliament, yeah. and that was, I think, January or something. Whatever you take, you'll, you'll work the sum out. Mm. So that's how they got that. <laughs> but you see, so much rubbish, so much this, and I'm sort of credited with doing the elderly people crossing sign. I mean, we've 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 sort of all been pulled. You've done that too, haven't well, you? Well, I did a rather. I mean, I've subverted the whole thing and had a Zimmer frame with a big. Pool oh, that's of blood. right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no one's going to stop thought, you. No. No, yes. And I, I actually came up with what I did anyway with, with Marion Duchamp right. when my sister had a heart attack. Oh. So she actually drew it and did it, the idea, oh, I see. which we all had together. Yeah. So I just thought we have to put something in so that people don't think I've designed the elderly people crossing one, which actually looks, it does the job. It does. And quite frankly, all the ones that we did were just for laughs. So the, the project has defeated itself. Yes. The, the, the fact is that project, the, you know, the road sign project, mm-hmm. is transcended time and style. They work. They're in people's minds. I don't, I don't feel offended. You know, I'm, in, mm. I'm 71. I don't feel offended by looking at two... You slip lad. Yeah. Well, 
I don't feel offended by seeing two slightly sort of hunched up. I think it's rather charming. Because you also think they're older than you, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. And they're really you think designed to be outside. Yes, and actually, I have seen some like some like that. Really, really old. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll end it there, Margaret Calvert. Thank you very much. I would say less is more. That's a good thing. Less is more. Less is more. Work that out for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) 